talk. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Training Table Podcast. It's your boy, Kenny King. And as always, I got some heat for you. But uh, first and foremost, I want to get into the draft, how everybody's feeling. I know that obviously first round, people were feeling really salty about the Raiders draft. Alex Leatherwood, you know, you look at him, he's a great run blocker. He's, you know, an Outland Award winner. He's the one of the top offensive tackles in the draft. But Raider fans were pissed, and rightfully so. There were some defensive players that we needed on the board that we didn't get in the first round. But then we went back and totally redeemed ourselves in the second round and got Trayvon Merrick. So it worked out, right, Raider Nation? I told y'all, just have a little faith. Feel okay. Be all right. It's going to be okay. The Raiders had a pretty good draft. And then what really excited me is after the draft, because we already went through the draft and talked about every player that was taken, every player that was drafted, every player that was brought on to the Raiders then they went and got Casey Hayward in free agency. Oh, my God. We got Casey Hayward. We got a legit CB1. Like, legit, legit. I look at it like this. You're going to have Casey Hayward at CB1. You're going to have Trayvon Mullinson at CB2. And then Damon Arnett, who has bulked up 20 pounds and who's been putting in some work this offseason, aside from in the studio, he looks to be the slot corner. I'm kind of excited about this defensive backfield, especially with Trayvon Merrick back there with Jonathan Abram and Carl Joseph and Tyree Gillespie and Divine Diablo and Jeff. Wait, no, Jeff, he got cut. Now they got to do is move on from Dallin Levin. We might be looking pretty good in that defensive backfield, but I'm pretty excited about this Raiders defense that's coming up. And I know that obviously it's a, it's the draft. It's early in the offseason. It's early before OTAs. Players are working out on their own. We don't have any game film. We don't have this. We don't have that. I'm going to be excited. Let me be excited. I'm going to be excited. So don't want to hear from y'all. Let me be optimistic for a minute. You guys can be pessimistic if you want to, but I'm going to have my fun. But you know what? Instead of me having my fun by myself, I'm going to bring on my guests. So stay tuned. And when I come back, I will have my guests with me. And we're going to talk about some of the things that happened in the draft. We're going to talk about some things that are going on in the league. We might talk about some guy named A.A. Ron. Stay tuned. All right, guys, we're back, and you may recognize my next guest from the NFL Network. He's the co-host of Huddle and Flow podcast with Jim Trotter, and you can catch him on Twitter at Weich89, but don't come with the lame wine recommendations. Steve Weich, what's up, brother? What's going on, Kenny, man? Glad to finally do yeah. this. We're trying to link for a minute. Yeah, so I mean, get it done. <laughs> it's, been, it's been tough. You know, the draft just happened, and uh, a lot of things been going down. A lot of news, a lot of news in the league, especially with quarterbacks and wanting – wanting out quarterbacks wanting to move things happening um and we'll get into that in a minute but with the draft over i've seen a lot of a rise in a lot of black quarterbacks coming in and you know you've been covering sports since 89 how have things changed since then well i mean to me it, it's all changed because it started it starts in like the high schools and the colleges you know back in the day even in high school the only time you saw black quarterback is when they were running the option type of sets, yeah. right? When they were doing a lot of run-based stuff, like, okay, black quarterbacks couldn't throw the ball. 
So then it transferred to college where you'd go to Oklahoma, where they had Jamel Holloway, or Colorado, or Arkansas, or some of those schools. You know, when I was playing at Missouri, it was all option football. We, had, we played against black quarterbacks. Yeah. But just the whole thinking is you didn't run that type of offense in the NFL. So you go to the white quarterbacks who could throw it. Well, now with the seven on seven leagues and things like that, these coaches are taking their best athletes, their best players, and putting them at quarterback. And if they're black, white, Latino, Asian, doesn't matter. Their best athlete is that guy and he can throw it. Then they're starting with these seven and seven leagues when these guys are, are nine, 10 years old. So it's just kind yeah. of the natural evolution and transition. But the biggest thing isn't the quarterback, it's the coaching. Yeah. And I've been saying this for years, even back in the days of Michael Vick and things like that. So many coaches refuse to play black quarterbacks again because of the whole run scheme. Now coaches have evolved because college systems are running these wide open, no huddle, look to the sideline, get to play, one read, throw it offenses. So now in the NFL, that's what's going on to some degree, to a lesser degree, but they've opened it up. And so you have black quarterbacks playing in college. They play well in these schemes. And that's just kind of transferred to the NFL. Yeah, and they're coming into the league and they're coming in hot. I mean, we look at guys like Pat Mahomes, who's taken over the league by storm, Russell Wilson, uh, Lamar Jackson, to name a few. Um, you know, as we look at the draft, you know, we're seeing, like I said, we're seeing a rise in black quarterbacks. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me this year was that, you know, with all the all the attention that was put on HBCUs, there weren't any players drafted from HBCUs. And I saw that, you know, Deion Sanders spoke about it. And you as a Howard alum, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? It didn't surprise me. In fact, this was somewhat expected because, okay, think about it. COVID hit last spring. So these HBCUs had no spring yeah. practices, anything for these, for these scouts to come see in the spring. Then every HBCU just about canceled their fall season. Right. The ones that did decide to play, and that's not all of them, like my alma mater, Howard, played two games this spring, both against Delaware State. That was it. Yeah. So the SWAC, where Deion coached Jackson State and the Grambling and Southern and those schools, they played a conference schedule and their games went right up until like the weekend before the draft. So there just there wasn't a lot of tape. There there weren't again, a lot of eyeballs to see. Cause as you know, a guy from his sophomore to his junior year might grow 15 pounds yeah. and develop. Well, no one got to see him. No one got to see that. So next year, hopefully with more games, because now they're on a regular schedule, spring ball, fall ball with more attention that the Dion is bringing to Jackson state. Now, Eddie George, former NFL running back is going to Tennessee state, maybe Marshall Falk is going to coach Southern. They've got connections, right? They've got the direct pipeline to NFL scouts, to NFL coaches, where they can say, hey, look, you might want to give this guy a look-see. Plus, mm -hmm. I'm part of a group with the Black College Football Hall of Fame. We're putting on a legacy bowl in February. And this is like the HBCU version of the senior bowl in terms of there will be a run-up of practices where every scout from the NFL, XFL, CFL can attend. Then we have the all-star game, which we broadcast on the NFL Network, that February 19th. So it's the weekend after the Super Bowl. So it's, you've got, you know, the East West game, the Senior Bowl before the game, Super Bowl, and then our game, which kicks off combine season. So it gives, it basically gives the NFL, Kenny, and these teams yeah. no excuses 
to not have information on these kids. That's exciting. And that kind of took me into my next question. You know, knowing the Raiders, the Raiders have always had tremendous success with, you know, players from HBCs. We had George Atkinson, Willie Brown, Henry Lawrence, to name a few. And most recently, Marquette King and Brandon Parker. Um, you know, seeing coaches, you know, guys like Coach Prime, guys like Eddie George, guys like Marshall Falk, who are coming into that, I do think it's going to give them more opportunity. How and I, I love to see what the media's done. And I think that you and you and Jim do a great job of, of shedding that light on it. And I think that that's one of the things I appreciate with the NFL Network is that you guys really elevate the diverse voices. You guys really do that. Um, what are some of the things, aside from what you guys are planning on doing in February, what are some of the things that you're doing to, to highlight some diverse voices coming forward? Well, I mean, look, a part of it also, the Black House Hoopah Hall of Fame Classic. Okay, that'll mm -hmm. be played in September I believe it's September in Canton, Ohio, where Tennessee state is playing Grambling, right? That's going to be broadcast on the NFL mm -hmm. network. So here's a reason to give some eyes, but now what we're really doing is we're giving some of these coaches, you know, when you've got Doug Williams who coached at Morehouse, who coached at Grambling, who, who co-founded black college football hall of fame, we're having them on our air more often. We're doing things to keep the conversations out there, not just with HBCU football players, but historically black colleges and universities as a whole. I'm an HBCU graduate after spending two years at the University of Missouri. Jim Trotter's an HBCU graduate. Stan Verrett's an HBCU graduate. Mm -hmm. You know, we have so many people in the media industry where now we can push. Yeah. Hey, you know, you went to, you went to Spelman, you went to NCANT, push, mention it. Because there's just a lot of people. I grew up in Missouri, Right. There are, there's only one HBCU in Missouri. That's Lincoln University down in Jefferson City, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Most HBCUs are in the southeast. So a lot of people from New York or L.A. or Oakland don't really know much about it. Those schools don't have recruiting budgets to recruit even students, yet alone athletes. So it takes voices like ours. Seeing the vice president of the United States who went to Howard saying you can get the same type of education if not better at an HBCU is that you can get at a Cornell or someplace like that. Plus the environment right. might be a little bit more friendly. And for people like me, I never grew up around black people. I grew up well out in the suburbs of St. Louis. You know, I was pretty mm -hmm. much it for the most part. So to have that experience, especially after going to Missouri University of Missouri for two years where there are very few black students. Yeah. It, it, it was a game changer for me. It made me a man. No it made me recognize a lot of things I didn't know about. And, and so that's what we as the media have to do. And proponents of uh, historically black college and university education, um, you know, have to keep on pushing. And you're seeing a renaissance in HBCUs and people applying, uh, people getting accepted, grade point averages, having to be a little bit more competitive to get in. Mm -hmm. so, so things are working. The word is starting to get out. Yeah, I think that there's a lot more people that they want to, you know, that want to experience that they want to have more that are they want to do more. Uh, and, you know, as we talk about diversity and we talk about diversity around the league and everything, um, you know, obviously the league already had the Rooney rule. And that was something that I always kind of looked at, like as a Raider fan, it was something that, you know, we never really needed because of Al Davis and his history. Um, but looking at the new rules that came out, I believe it's incentives for hiring a minority. What are your thoughts on that? So they, they took pretty much the incentives away before okay. they were proposing like, hey, if you promote or hire, you can get an extra back end compensatory pick. 
But people are like, no, you you know, then you're yeah. you're trying to reward people for what they should be doing. Right. I mean, that's like patting a single father on the back for watching his kid for three days a week when he should be right. doing that. Right. Right. So now what they are trying to do is, you know, they're, they are pushing more saying you have to interview more than one diversity candidate for any job in coaching upper management in the NFL and with teams. So there, cause you know, the studies have found that if you just interview one person of color or one woman, it's not going to change anything with two or more. You're like, hey, now I'm starting to see something that said still hasn't changed the mind. The, the only thing you can put all the rules in place that you want. If you are dealing with narrow minds that don't want to be expanded, there's nothing you can do. And, and we're continuing to see it when it comes to coaching. Now we did see some black general managers get hired, you know, Terry Fontenot in yeah. Atlanta, Brad Holmes, in Detroit, Martin Mayhew getting another shot with Washington. So there's a start because they are they are diversifying their coaching staffs and their personnel staffs. And, you know, that's a start. But now let's see it again. Transition to the coaches where guys like Todd Bowles and Eric Bieniemy and so many other very qualified coaches of color and not just black coaches, Latino coaches, yeah. Asian coaches um, get their opportunity to show what they can do. Yeah, I mean, look, I I want to see Eric Bieniemy get a job for a number of reasons. One of them is to get him out of the AFC West. <laughs> but two, I think, I mean, he is what he's done with that offense, what he's been able to do with Pat Mahomes, with with Alex Smith, even. I think that that speaks volumes, and I think that he definitely is well deserving of a job. And I think one of the things that's frustrating is when whenever you have a minority who's up for a position it's always the quote unquote character issue or they they'll somebody will find a way for something. Um, and it'd be nice to get away from that. Um, as we look at this, you know, as we look at, you know, some of these diverse candidates and things like that. Um, actually one thing that stands out to me is, is Jim Trotter's piece yesterday on the Raiders and talking about John Gruden, you know, doing this full, just, you know, full rebuild of the team and destroying everything that happened and, and bringing in his guys and getting more time than most coaches would. Now, obviously, the the legend of John Gruden supersedes him. But what are what are some other things other than Mark Davis? Obviously, what are some other reasons why John Gruden has gotten so many chances? Well, I mean, look, first off, Mark Davis won him. He gave him a 10 year deal. Guaranteed 10 year, hundred million dollar deal. He's got he's got a honeymoon. He's got a grace period. And coming into a new stadium in a new city where the fans still have yet to get into a stadium to see a game, um, he had a couple years not to get it right because yeah. they alienated the fans in Oakland where they played, right? And now they they went to Las Vegas last year and it didn't work. But when it comes to you know generating the fan base, if they win games this year, okay, it's all good. Everything everything is gravy, but. Jim's piece was fantastic because in a results-oriented business, the results have not come. Free agency has been a disaster. It's been very hit and miss with the draft picks. And when you see how things were rolling for a while with the Raiders, you know, when Jack Del Rio and Bill Musgrave had that offense rolling, when I'm talking to guys like DeMarcus Ware and Chris Harris at the Broncos, like, yo, man, we didn't know what to do when we faced them. And now teams are like, oh, the Raiders. You know, Derek Carr played well last year. 
but the team didn't win. They lost games they had to have. You know, there's just no identity. There's no clutch gene. You know, John Gruden, no one's going to question his offensive coach, but defensively, they're a nightmare. And how long are we going to say that? How long are you going to say that? I mean, teams fix things. The Browns fix things. (laughs) Right? You know? And and so, and I hate it because I grew up loving the Raiders. And I think, as Jim pointed out in this column, the NFL is better with the Raiders because you love them or you hate them. But when they're relevant, we pay attention. And right now, nobody talking about the Raiders. Right. And that sucks. And that sucks. Because so again, their, their, their history is, is, is much more meaningful to the NFL than what we're getting right now. Yeah. And I think that the Raiders, I mean, they're talking about them, but I think that recently they haven't been talking very well. I mean, obviously they, they had the tweet. Why that, should they? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I, I actually, I, I tweeted out to what Jim said and I said, he's got very valid points. I think that, you know, there are some glaring issues that that need to be fixed. So hopefully Gus Bradley can turn the defense around, but you know, we look at, we look at historical drafts and we look at what the Raiders have done and there's been some, you know, some really big question marks. Um, What are some things that you could see this team doing? I mean, obviously where can, I mean, this team is built offensively, but where can this team turn the corner? They've got they've got to make stops. Look at that Dolphins game last year. They had to have at the end of the year. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in and looks like yeah, Marino. I mean, he just moves them up and down the field, and they they blow that game. Offense can't get first downs at the end of games, and that's the thing. These things go hand in hand. We, We blame the defense a lot, but in tight games, if an offense can get a first down here or there and not punt the ball, yeah, that works. So. It works hand in hand, but that was terrible. And it's just that when I say there's no clutch gene, they win games, but they haven't won the game. Like they haven't, mm, they haven't done it. They, they they get you excited and then you know they don't. So they gotta get defense that takes the ball away. Right now, teams move the ball in the NFL. That number one defense based on yards a lot is a garbage stat. It is scoring. And it is, you know, defensive scoring defense and taking the ball away. You take the ball away, you give your offense a short field, you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so that's what the Raiders have not done. And that's what they have to do. And the, the issue is the Chiefs, okay, they get rid of their offensive line. Oh, my goodness. Oh, next thing you know, they're loaded up on the offensive line. They get Orlando Brown. They go out. They, they bring uh, Kyle Long out of retirement. They do some things to get it going. The Chargers making moves. Mm-hmm. They got a quarterback. They they draft Rashawn Slater out of, out of Northwestern. They're starting to put it together. Um, you just look at the division, man. Yeah. And, and you say, okay, Denver did some interesting things. They get Teddy to back up. Drew Locke. Kansas City's Kansas City. Chargers once again, doing things in the offseason, which never really hasn't translated. Right. But they look like they're getting better. And you look at the Raiders like, are they getting better? Are they spinning their wheels? We just don't know. And that's because there just really doesn't seem that foundation. But in my heart of hearts, I am pulling the, I am pulling for them to get it together because that stadium, Raider Nation, 
again, the NFL has a whole different gear when the, <laughs> when the silver and black are rocking and yeah. rolling. Yeah, and you see, I mean, we saw it in 2016 where you know the the league was the league was on fire. The newsreels were on fire. Everybody was talking about, it. and I think that even earlier last season, before the, the the collapse, I think that you know it was there was excitement there. And then after the KC loss, I think things kind of fell by the wayside. And I think that's one of the biggest things uh, that Gruden's got to do is figure out how to not have those slips in the second half of the season. Um, and then also, you know, hopefully, like I said, hopefully he's got something under control with the defense and adding in Gus Bradley. Cause I think that keeping, keeping Paul Gunther was way too long. You know, you, you, you stay in that relationship way too long. Um, you know, as I, as I look around, you know, I'm going to ask a couple more questions on this one, but you know, we see a lot of news with quarterbacks, right? We see a lot of news with, you know, quarterbacks wanting out. There was the initial reports of Russell Wilson and they ended up getting, getting things figured out. Um, then there was the Deshaun Watson and then now there's Aaron Rodgers. What do you think about, you know, these reports and, you know, is it more of a smoke screen or is it, what do you think? Oh, it's real. <laughs> what we're starting to see with quarterbacks because they're making 32 and $33 million a year is what we see in the NBA. When star players are like, yeah, I'm done. I'm not playing here. James Harden. I'm not playing for this owner. Okay. We got to get him gone mm -hmm. because we can't have him sink what we're doing. Um, so you're starting to see a little bit of that flex because of the position, the money they're making because one year and they're generationally wealthy. Right. When you make $33 million a year, unless you're a numbskull, you're going to be okay. And so, Mr. Jamarcus. Well, like I said, what, what, I, I will leave the adjective I hung out there, <laughs> the, 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 the pronoun I'll leave out there. But it's, you know, I think part of it is these guys are starting to see what's going on. And Tom Brady didn't help things with him right. going down to Tampa and them getting him Gronk out of retirement, getting Antonio Brown getting Leonard Fournette and saying, oh, we can build a team this way. We drafted, we've drafted, well, we've got Devin White. You know, we've got Levante David. We got JPP. Mm -hmm. We got Indomit and Sue. But let's go get Tom some pieces. And then these dudes are sitting here and their teams aren't doing that in part because their contracts are so significant. But at the same time, they've had opportunities. Why couldn't they go get Gronk? Why couldn't they go get Leonard Fournette? But they didn't. So they're seeing their all these other teams do that. They're seeing Russell Wilson seeing the Rams go get Matthew Stafford. Right? They're, they're, they're seeing moves being made, and their teams are just like, yeah, we're going to give it the old try again because yeah. we're close. And, you know, that's how come I think you're, you're starting to see more of it. With the Deshaun Watson situation before the other stuff popped up, it's just that, okay, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And then you're going to ask me for my opinion on the coaching and GM search. And when I give it to you, you're going to oh, completely dismiss one. me. Yeah. You know, that's, that, that was, that's a whole respect issue. And I don't think he ever placed another down for the Texans. Yeah. I don't think so either. I think that, I think that that relationship, regardless of whatever else is going on on the side, I think that relationship is completely frayed. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at the, the Aaron Rodgers situation is a very unique one because you know, you draft Jordan, you move up to draft Jordan Love last year. You've got Aaron Rodgers in there. And you look at historically, they did the same thing with Brett Favre. You know, they they got Aaron Rodgers. They have Brett Favre sitting there. Favre gets disgruntled. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Um, 
And do you think do you think Aaron's going to move this year? It's it's going to be the story of the offseason. I don't think they trade him. You know, unless somebody offers up some insane package, which would be 22 and beyond draft picks. Um, I don't think they trade him. I think it's going to be if you don't want to play, you sit out. You retire. Then we can recoup some money from you, which gets even uglier when you think like that's what Calvin Johnson. Yeah. And the Lions went through, and that relationship is still frayed. He's going to the Hall of Fame this year, so that's five years later. Um, so there's that damage. But look, Aaron's got the gravitas. Say, okay, I'll give you back $20 million, whatever it is. I'll go make that up in Jeopardy, State Farm <laughs> commercials, yeah. and everything else. I'm good. Like I'm good. I don't need you. I just wanted my third MVP. So – this is going to be an ugly stare down. And if you're the Packers, you got to say to yourself, well, we did draft this dude in the first round to take over for Aaron Rodgers. Let's accelerate that process because right now it's looking ugly. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see what happens because, you know, Green Bay is not used to losing. They're not used to not having somebody not named Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. So it's going to be something that I'll be watching. I know that you'll be talking about it. Um, yes. <laughs> what uh, what do you got coming up? I know that you've got your podcast. Go ahead and, and plug that there. But what else do you have coming up? You know, right now the Huddle and Flow podcast is on a hiatus. We're, we're taking a little breather and okay. we're just kind of re-energizing um, after grind of a season. So, but that'll be back. And you know, we're going to come out with some cleanup hitters. You know, that's what we do. We don't we don't lay down bunt singles. We, oh, we, yeah. we swing for the fences. Um, so we got that coming up. Look, we got the schedule release coming out next week. That's always a big deal because then people can go buy tickets and, and do everything else, book hotel rooms and, and whatnot. And then these then these camps start at some yeah. point, whether guys are there's gonna be many camps, those are mandatory. So we're kind of getting back to normal where we're getting out in the field and and we're gonna be able to cover the stuff. So we've got all of these things kind of going on, you know. And then for me personally in June, we're we're inducting our uh, class of 2021 Black College Football Hall of Fame class, uh, which is loaded with some great players, as always. Um, and so it's we're just kind of getting back into the flow of it. But the NFL never slows down, Kenny. You know that. We're in the news oh, yeah. 365. That's what I love about it. That's why I love the game. That's why I love to watch. And you guys do a great job. Steve, I want to thank you again for taking the time to come on with me. Um, love to have you on again, especially during the season, if you could find that time. And uh, Shout out to you and everybody over at NFL Network. Appreciate you, man. Let's get that Raider Nation rolling, bro. No doubt. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.